to the Eye on the U podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson. I am joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, how's it going? Going going great. Beautiful Thursday. Yeah, it's uh, we're in the off-season. That means it's off-season stories time, right? It's all about the transfer portal. It's all about coaching changes. It's all about basketball. Uh, we'll get to basketball in a little bit because uh, the Hurricanes are on fire right now. Uh, pretty much halfway through their season, 12 and three, played Duke this weekend. Um, we're going to have Michelle Kaufman, our, our basketball beat writer uh, at the Herald, on uh, in the second half of this episode uh, to talk about what has gone right with that team and, and a team that, uh, you know, uh, I've said it all year the winter sports in South Florida are good. The Heat's good. The Panthers are good. Uh, the fall was not great, but now we got the Hurricanes. Uh, Coming through, it looks like potentially one of the best teams in a, in a down ACC. Um, but as I said, there, we've got those usual offseason football stories that are everywhere right now. Um, every day there's a big transfer portal story. Caleb Williams from, from Oklahoma going in. Obviously, the coaching carousel is still spinning. All the big head coaches have, have found their homes, but it's that time where the assistant coaches are moving around. And obviously Miami uh, right in the middle of it all. Um, last night, we're recording this Wednesday. It's about 2.30 p.m. Oh. Sorry, Thursday. It's about 2.30 p.m. Um, <laughs> okay. I said it was a beautiful Thursday. I thought it was at the top, day. yes. Um, uh, okay. uh, last night, Nestus Jade Silvera puts his name into the transfer portal. Um, kind of surprising, I would say, um, because you know we he had kind of alluded that he was done at Miami, but I think we all thought it was going to be um, he was going to kind of test those pro waters um, right. instead uh, deciding to transfer. You know, Nesta was obviously a very uh, good player for four years for Miami. Um, you know, I think if he had decided to go to the NFL, he would have, I don't know if he would have gotten drafted, but he certainly would have gotten a shot, um, you know, training camp, that kind of thing. Um, and again, you know, he's an older guy, four years, you know, usually when you've played for four years, like guys are, Sometimes ready to go on to the NFL, but instead Nesta decided to transfer. Um, first of all, just were you kind of surprised to hear that? Yes. Yes. I was surprised about the portal part. Right. Um, I thought he was going to enter the NFL draft, which my personal opinion is that would be a mistake. Um, but obviously, according to him, he's not doing that. So, um, I, I yeah, I, I, I was surprised because he's he's kind of been one of the um, uh, more uh, outspoken, would you say, you know, kind of a guy that would, I guess some guys looked at as, as a leader or whatever in the defensive line and um, an emotional guy, guy that got really upset when they lose. Um, and he was a starter, right? He's, I mean, he's, he started eight of 11 games and his 11 games. So I thought, I thought either he leaves or he comes back, but leaves for the NFL or comes back. I didn't think he'd transfer really. I mean, he was a starter, but I think what that tells us is actually, I'm not sure exactly what his motives are. I don't know why, except that, um, you know, with Leonard Taylor, uh, the five-star who was a freshman this year and w- was fabulous and didn't even play the first, what, 
was it David first three or four games? Yeah, I think the first three games he played like a snap here and there. Yeah, he the didn't. Part, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, they he lived up to his five-star billing, in my opinion. He's just gonna get better and better, and I expect him to start next year. So that's one starting spot. And then, but I mean, Nesta could have maybe what I, I would think when the other could have won the other starting spot. But yeah, I mean, are, on, on paper, it was kind of going to be, I think we both agree that Leonard Taylor is probably going to, he's going to be impossible to keep off the field next year, I would think. And exactly. then, you know, you got Nestle, exactly. you got Jordan Miller, you've got Jared Harrison Hunt potentially coming back. Um, he's a guy who I think would maybe get drafted if he decided to go pro. So we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see on him, I would say. Um, you got Jake Lichtenstein, a transfer from uh, USC uh, that picked right. up a couple of weeks ago. Uh, originally from Cypress Bay and Weston. So he's a guy who's, you know, got basically starting experience also. So it was going to be a, a crowded competition. But yeah, like you said, I mean, Nesta was, I think he probably played ultimately the second most of any interior defensive lineman for Miami last year, probably behind only John Ford, who obviously is, is graduating. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, when I was looking at Leonard's and Leonard Taylor's stats and I saw that he had seven and a half tackles for a loss, right. As, and didn't play in the first three games, two sacks, uh, Nesta had zero sacks, which is, it's not really great. I don't think, um, but um, I I'm still surprised. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out more, you know, but, and, and also he's a local, he's a South Florida kid. He yeah. played a plantation. American, yeah, American Heritage. Heritage. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'm just. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the thing we knew. Well, you know, he committed to Manny Diaz, right? He committed, you know. Yes. I try to remember what the defensive. I think he committed to Coach Cool. So obviously, he's like four defensive line coaches back at this point, or two and three, and Jess Simpson twice, or whatever. Um, right. And you know, we we knew when Mario got here that some guys just were going to transfer, right? Because either they had like an allegiance to Manny Diaz, which I think Nesta did, you know, he committed really, I guess he committed actually when Manny was the defensive coordinator. So he was even more involved like in that recruitment than he was now or had become when he was, you know, a head coach. Um, And, you know, Mario is again, like Nesta is a good player. So I'm not guessing, uh, you know, when, when a new coach comes in, sometimes they kind of gently like, well, tell guys to leave right basically like say kind oh, of be sure. blunt about their role and i don't know if that was necessarily the situation with nesta although i think maybe you know i have to assume that mario cristobal loves what he saw on film of, of leonard taylor and and probably what he loved on film of um jared harrison hunt also um but right again like i'm sure mario cristobal would love to have nesta back as you know another veteran piece but at the same time you know, if, if Nesta goes somewhere else, and it's going to be potentially easier to get that real, like, starter playing time, right? I think even if yeah, Nesta came I back and was going to be a starter, it was going to be a really big rotation of guys. And, Agreed. again, I don't want to, like, read into his – you know, we haven't talked to him or anything about his his decision-making. Right. But I would have to think that plays a part. Um, and then I think Manny leaving, right? I, I think we're going to see that with a couple of defensive guys who, who might surprise people, right, where, where it's guys who – really liked Manny Diaz and, you know, maybe guys who have been in Miami for a long time and know their role might be shrinking with a new coach or whatever. 
Um, I agree. I totally agree with everything you said. I everything. Um, he did. He. It's interesting. I don't think he mentioned Diaz at all in his social media posts, which is how we learned. Mm-hmm. And but he did mention Todd Stroud. Yeah. And who was a former his former D line coach um, a couple of years ago, or whatever. And he yeah, said third D line coach. I want to give a special thanks to Coach Todd Stroud. You were with me every step of the way here, and I appreciate you for that for life. So that's kind of interesting, too, I, yeah. I noted. Uh, but, uh, yep, everything you said I agree with, and I'm sure we'll find out what's going on. And, I, yeah, that's that's it for now, really. Yeah, yeah. He's not the first, right? We've had a couple other guys transfer, Corey Gaynor, a couple other guys who were Corey. starters mm-hmm. transfer. And, and he, you know, uh, not reporting anything, but he probably won't be the last. I think it, it's probably fair to say. I would agree. I would agree with that one, too. Yep. Uh, the other bit of football news I mentioned is uh, coaching carousel kind of keeps spinning. For Miami, it's been hiring assistant coaches and no surprise additions at this point. Um, it's all been well, basically it's all been Oregon guys, guys coming with Mario Cristobal and all been guys who we've kind of known have been in some cases working at Miami over the last few weeks um, and just not officially announced as coaches in in the case of um, Alex Mirabal. And and then other guys who just like, we kind of knew was going to be coming back as like Brian McClendon who had been widely reported and was kind of an open secret that he was coming back to Miami. Um, Aaron but there Bell, was the strength and conditioning coach, the mustachio uh-huh. strength and conditioning coach, mustache. the the muscled and mustached conditioning. I knew. Conditioning coach. I'll tell you something. When you tweeted that tweet, the the I said muscles. Yeah, Susan's headline show was like muscles to Miami. I think right. Muscle, and you said mustaches or something, and yeah. muscles. And thought, oh man, why did I think of that? <laughs> so yeah. yeah so. Any anything? No, like we said, nothing surprising. Joe yeah. Salvea, the other name. I guess that's not. A, is oh, that a yeah, that hasn't been announced yet. But that's also uh, been widely reported. He's not, announced he's leaving Oregon, so that one yeah, we're, we're very sure well might be announced by the time you guys are listening to this one, this episode. Yeah, as as Mirabal, who everybody Mirabal is the O line coach. Okay, it says it says so on his Twitter handle. <laughs> I keep saying that, but he's he's the O line coach. But they're gonna officially announced that that could be today who knows yeah. right but yeah, I, it's kind I, of a weird situation yeah. where all these guys are probably living in miami at this point and working in the office and they still haven't yeah. even, like said there I, I don't i mean i'm sure there's some like technical rationale like clerical right. paperwork needs to get finished or whatever but still just weird situation but uh for the I'm most part sure. you know nothing crazy exciting i would say with these hires it's all guys that i think if you would just like run through a list of who uh, Mario Cristobal was going to bring with him. These are a lot of the guys, particularly Mirabal, Feld, and McClendon. I, I think we're kind of like no brainer uh-huh. guys who are going to come with him in Miami. Um, any of those names like really kind of exciting to you? We kind of haven't really talked about, you know, we, like I said, it's been widely reported. We, I don't think we've ever had like an episode where like Alex Mirabal, that's a pretty good hire or whatever. It seems like he's a pretty interesting, you know, he's got a really good track record, obviously, as an online coach. He's kind of the one who pops yes. out today, I think. Yeah, he's got a very good track record. Uh, he's known Mario since they were teenagers at Columbus High. They're very close friends. Um, and um, 
Yeah, he's supposed to be supposed to be very, very good. I I don't know him, but I they the the Oregon offensive line was 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 at least they were good. They I mean as far as stats go, they were they uh they were ranked 36th of 130 teams, FBS teams and sacks allowed, 24 total. And Miami was, I think, 80, about 85th, or they might that might have changed by since the last bowl game by maybe one number or something. Anyway, um maybe Miami's now like 89th or 86th. Mm-hmm. Miami gave up 30, 30 sacks um, for 2.5 a game. Remember, Oregon played in 14 games, right? right? So yep. and Miami played in 12 games because Miami never played in the bowl game. Okay, so Miami gave up 2.5 sacks a game to 1.7 for Oregon. I mean, and and also in rushing offense, uh, the Ducks were 24th nationally out of 130 teams, 24, averaging 202 yards, ground yards a game. And Miami um, was 97th in rushing offense, um, averaging 127. So that's good. I mean, I, I have a feeling Maribel's really good. Um, and I thought that the interesting thing, I don't know much about McClendon. I, the interesting thing about McClendon, other than, you know, my research I've done, um, is they named him as, I think, as co-offensive coordinator. And that was the surprise. Like, right. oh, that was a surprise. Like, oh, I thought he was just going to be the quote unquote receivers coach. But obviously, you know, these guys come cross country. And I mean, coming from from Eugene, Oregon to Miami, I, it's not only going all the way east, all the way. It's as far as you can go other than yeah, Seattle. Yeah, it's as right. far as you can go, basically. Yeah, in the country. diagonally yeah. from one end to the next, all the way southeast, as yeah. much as you can go. It's, it's a, you know, it's it's a lot. Uh, you're probably bringing your family and whatever. And, and he was the offensive coordinator for a while at South Carolina, I think for two years. Um, he was also the whiteout coach there. Um, and he was at Georgia. And that's where he played at Georgia. His teams did well there. Um, and probably for Mark, for Mark Richt, actually. Oh, and yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, the, so the co-offensive coordinator thing, that's to me the intriguing part because when you look, a lot of, again, it could be just getting more money, a matter of him on his contract, a, a bigger title, more money. Yeah. And, and let's say he would organize the, uh, you know, the, he was a pass game. Yeah, pass game. It could be a pass game coordinator. He would or, yeah, he could organize the passing game. He would help maybe prepare each week because Thomas Brown did that. Thomas Brown was under Mark Rick and he right. was. He was, had the offensive coordinator title, I think, right? Even yeah, though Mark Rick was the yeah. yeah, he might have had a full or co, but he was the running backs coach. Thomas Brown, and um, he he did the same thing, but he never called plays. He never called plays. And McClendon, so it makes, you know, Mario's going to hire an offensive coordinator for sure. He's going to hire someone that's called an offensive coordinator and maybe something else, maybe a quarterback's coach or as that that person, one person that has both Mm -hmm. those things. And probably uh, I would think, this is my opinion. That person would call the plays and be assisted by McClendon. Yeah. That's 
think. Uh, but the, the one guy that's really intriguing to me is Ken Dorsey, um, you know, who's the passing game coordinator and a quarterback's coach for Buff the Buffalo Bills now. And um, he's, he's great at tutoring quarterbacks, at teaching quarterbacks, and he would love to come back to Miami. I mean, Ken, he, he's been waiting to come back to Miami and no one's hired him. And I'm telling you, the guy's great now. Feels like it's been like the, every time when we've had a lot of offensive coordinator changes to cover in the time that I've been doing this podcast with you. Um, it feels like every time yep. Miami's making that change, we bring up Ken Dorsey. Do you think it could be different this time? Yeah. I don't know because he's done well at Buffalo, right? Yeah, I, guess. I mean, Josh Allen is one of the most impressive like development stories we've seen from a quarterback in the NFL. And I know it's only, he's only been there a couple of years. I don't think he was there Josh Allen's rookie year, um, but obviously – 2020, yeah. It's I been think. a really impressive development story. He has had to become, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Who He was a high draft pick, but definitely kind of a project. I think I was second team all – I don't even remember what league Wyoming is in. What are they, Mountain West or something? He was, like, not even, like, the best quarterback in that mid-major league and, and has turned into, you know, like, arguably like the most dangerous quarterback in the league. And a lot of that is his physical gift, but you got to give Ken Dorsey, I think, a lot of credit for that too. Oh, for sure. And, and, and Cam Newton. Yeah. Before that, he coached Cam Newton, which is pretty yeah. good. Oh yeah. He did great. Um, and he, he, I think for four seasons, he worked with him. Mm-hmm. So for his first six seasons. So, um, I mean, plus Ken just, he's a king. I mean, God, I know every, it's so cliched by now, but he loves UM. He really does. I mean, he's wanted to come back here and I think he's, built up a little bit of a resentment maybe but he would he his heart would totally be in it just like mario's heart is in it but yeah. the thing is like i don't know how he would be calling plays i know that he's pretty smart yeah i mean he's, he's got a great football mind but i don't know I, I don't know how much he has to do with actually play you know the intricacies yeah of I mean, the, those are gonna be the two the two question marks that are gonna be around him or or the he's never been a play caller which, you know, everyone's got to start somewhere. And Miami, obviously, you'd rather get a guy who's established. But, you know, Ken Dorsey, if Miami doesn't hire him to be their offensive coordinator, there's a pretty good chance Ken Dorsey's going to be an NFL offensive coordinator in a couple of years. Um, yeah. Yep. And, and the I- other thing is just he's never coached in college. He worked at FIU for a year, which if that doesn't tell you about how much he would probably like to come back to Miami, he worked as an assistant athletic director at FIU for a year. So, uh, yeah, he was, yeah. Exactly. He has I, a, some interest in coming coming home or was open well, to it a couple of years ago. Not home, but coming back to South Florida. Yeah. Um, Every time I visit my brother in California, you know, my brother lives in yeah. Berkeley. It's right outside where Ken grew up. I oh, always okay. want for Orinda, California. I think mm-hmm. I think of it. Um, but so that's but, the other question. He's got to recruit in college. He's got to do all that kind of stuff. So there's yeah. it's gonna that'd be a like it's an important interview to make to figure out if he's the right guy, but. my gut gut is he doesn't i I don't know anything about this what's gonna happen nobody does really i I, nobody does for sure but i my gut now is that he would stay with the bills for a little bit um depending on if they could get some of the other people they're working on okay so it just depends everything depends on everything else um and yeah, that's that's it. That's the Ken Dorsey situation, I guess. 
because there are other guys I think they have in mind. Um, so. Uh, and then the other, Aaron Feld, we should just mention real quick. I, I don't like to get hyped, too hyped up about off strength and conditioning coordinators because you hear the same thing every time. It's like, this guy's going to bring so much energy, all this, whatever. <laughs> but um, this guy's got a good reputation. So, and he's got a fun mustache and uh, <laughs> a good social media presence. So he is certainly going to be a fan favorite right away. Yes. Already uh, is I, a fan favorite, I would say. I like these strength coaches seem really smart, don't they? Yeah, I think there's two different breeds of strength coaches, right? There's like, you sometimes get like the old school strength coaches who like, like a cliche, but Miami's really kind of gone for the young guys lately who just like energy, like, yeah. So they're all kind of cut from the same cloth, but, uh, you know, these guys, these young guys are, I think, really appealing to kids, right? It's, It's, I think it's a lot easier, you know, strength and conditioning coaches are a really important part of recruiting as much as they are developing the program. Um, you know, everyone wants to see how are you going to, you know, high school kids come in and they change so much in that first year. Um, I, I think having young guys like Feely, I think was good with that too. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought Feely was great. But certainly yeah. Feld, I think has like the right personality that like recruits go meet with him. And like, it's, I mean, we've never met Feld, but just based off like what we've heard and read and seen on social media or whatever. It's easy to imagine like recruits sitting down with him and like being like, oh, I want to work with that guy. The same way that I think guys probably did with, with Feely. Yeah, Feely was great. I mean, I'm a big Feely fan, very smart guy. Um, and yeah, I think and and you know what? The players really liked him. Yeah. I mean, they were both they guys really very like charismatic, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, they really connected with him. Yeah. And uh, I think uh they're all kind of rah-rah. I think uh right, you have to be. Yeah, I think Aaron Feld is uh really rah-rah from his videos. But um, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I, he I and Andy, Andy Borgalis can have some mustache competitions. I wonder if it'll inspire <laughs> Andy to up his mustache game. I know. Well, I don't I don't I'm not sure how much he actually can up his mustache. Right. That's the thing. Is that all he can do? And that's why it's fun, like that he's doing yeah. it. But did you say I think he put he tweeted out something, let the competition begin. Or oh, something did he? Like that. <laughs> yeah. I missed that. It that's was, good. Yeah, it's pretty funny with yeah. his little little what would I call his his little black whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Pencil mustache. I don't know. What do they yeah. call that? Yeah, I don't I, I, like a. It's like wispy almost. I don't know. Pencil. He has some years to catch up. It's okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, let's wrap up real quick. Uh, baseball. Uh, obviously, kind of coming around the corner a little bit, but uh, oh yeah, the news in terms of John Ruiz, everyone's favorite Miami donor, uh, making a two million dollar <laughs> pledge uh, to basically revamp their weight room there. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked yep. to Gino Damari actually about it. Um, and some yes, of the improvements just uh you'll have a story on that uh sometime friday, from, if it's yeah, not up yet friday. Order, sometime friday um so what, what what was that conversation like with him what's what's the feeling around baseball right now well he's always great to talk to um you know they they he can't be with the kids now because you know they're not allowed they they they're, they're work, the players are working out on their own right um and, you know, the, the season starts on um, January 18th, I think, against Towson. And it, I mean, I, excuse me, let's start a, a, a February 18th. Yes. Towson. 
January 18th is when they, um, I think, start school. And, um, sorry, I'm looking, I'm looking at news as we, anyway, um, yeah, January, January 18th is when they start school. They, they have to be, uh, I think they have remote learning for the right. couple, for couple weeks. And um, anyway, you know, they, they, it was disappointing last year. It was a very disappointing ending for UM because they got to the regionals and um, they, they, I, and, and I guess the Gator, they were in the same regionals as Gators. Gators lost their first two I know, games. It opened so up for them. Yeah, it was great. And then Miami just couldn't hit at all. Right. They lost to South Alabama. I mean, South Alabama, that's who they were eliminated by. Um, They super regionals. Um, So, you know, they finished 33 and 21 last season. But, um, you know, Gino's always upbeat. He's he's looking forward to the season. I think they're ranked like 23rd. Um, They've got one of the best um, closers in the nation coming back, except that they're going to, um, they're, they're going to try him. They're just going to see if he can, if he can be a starter. Um, Palmquist. So Carson Palmquist, he was number two, uh, nationally in saves last year. Pretty sure. Um, yeah. Which no number three, he had 14 saves. Um, he had a 2.22 ERA was really, really good. Dominant 75 strikeouts across 44.2 innings pitched. Um, he was a stopper of the year finalist and um, he was a USA baseball's national team this past summer, but they're going to try him out as a, as a starter. Um, if that doesn't work, he'll go back to being a closer. Um, and uh, you know, they had a lot of, they had a lot of guys transfer. Um, and, but that's like everywhere in the country. Um, and a lot of people at, guys that transfer because of the COVID year, you know, they only get like, I think 11.7 scholarships. So, um, you know, they have to make do with what they get. And all of a sudden they had all these extra players, um, which made it very difficult. So um, I think it was, the shocking one was Alex Terrell who went to FSU. Yeah, that was that was a stunner. I think um, not just because yeah, he transferred, but because of where he landed. But um, yeah, and that was good. I guess it, that was good for him. But it was kind of like it was just kind of the whole thing has been kind of weird. Um, so we'll have to see. I mean, but UM always has really good recruiting classes. They had the top recruiting class two years ago, and they have good young kids coming in now. I think it was the top ten class, um, and yeah, so. We'll have to see where that goes. Baseball, it's tough. It's tough to predict. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to be great and they're not. You think they're not going to be good and they're great or whatever. So um, we'll we'll have to see where that where that goes. But I do think that the the facilities addition additions because um, they had a, a this cloth center that was open an indoor center with all these like state of the art technology and and batting cages and, um, you know, pitching mounds, three pitching mounds and all kinds of stuff where they can go indoor 
if it's there's a lightning alarm and stuff that goes off, they have a brand new scoreboard, like a really super nice scoreboard that is in the middle being installed now. And um, and also this this new um, you know this new weight room. They're gonna they're gonna make they're gonna expand it so it's much much larger. So I mean it's that's all good. All these all these facilities improvements are are very needed and they're and that's what big time programs should have. Yeah, and that's what Miami baseball is, is supposed to be. Um, so same way the football, you know, it's it's all it's a money game, right? And football is committing to it, baseball is committing to it too, because they're I think they've had probably more success lately than football has, but but obviously not to their standard either. Um, so right. would be uh, obviously everyone waiting for them to get back to the glory days there too. Um, let's take a quick break though. Um, we will be joined uh, by Michelle Kaufman to talk about uh, another Miami team kind of on the rise, the Miami basketball team. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. All right, we're back. Uh, Susan had to run, take, take care of some of her own uh, breaking news stuff. Michelle, you are, just got done writing some breaking news stuff about Inter-Miami and some stadium stuff. I'm sure that'll be a, a story. That's a story everyone should check MiamiHerald.com and uh, follow that because it's the never-ending stadium saga. Um, but we wanted to bring you on because uh, we're basically at the midway se- point of the basketball season, 15 games in. Um, the team is pretty good. Uh, I've won eight in a row now after beating Syracuse last night. I was in the building in uh, civilian mode. You, of course, were in the building covering the game. Uh, pretty wild one, Miami down 18. It was not a fun, it was fun one for the fans. It was not fun for the reporter who had to file at the buzzer. 10-10 deadline yeah. we have. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I basically wrote about five different leads to that story. So it, I thought Miami was getting crushed in the first half. So I started pounding away at halftime. And then all of a sudden they, they hit six threes in a row Yes. in the second half to start. I was like, okay, what's happening here. I need to scrap what I just wrote. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was a very exciting game actually. Yeah. Down 18 in the first half storm, but cut it. I think it was down to 14 by halftime. And when that happened, yeah. it was like, Ooh, they might actually like make this, make this a game. Syracuse was on fire from three in the first half. We're not going to keep that up. Um, Miami got hot. Like you said, um, that backcourt is, is really special. I mean, Isaiah Wong, I don't think scored in the first half. And then like, he, didn't. Felt like, he didn't actually score until the final 10 minutes. Of yeah. The game. It kind of felt like right when it started to get tight, he got a couple, you know, he can get to the rim probably better than anyone else on the team. Um, and 
he, he gave him some huge buckets. Obviously, Charlie Moore was red hot from three. Cam Augusti did his thing. Uh, they played Duke on Saturday, and that is the test, right? That is really when we're going to know just how good this team is. But either way, the ACC is wide open. Um, and all of a sudden, it really feels like Miami could finish top four in this league and and make know, the tournament and make the yeah. tournament. I mean, I know who, how many bids is the ACC going to get this year, but it's hard to imagine ACC ever getting fewer than like four or five. Um, first of all, you know, eight wins in a row. Obviously, this is now gone. Basically, they haven't lost, I think, since December started. Um, November. Right, right. Yeah, their last loss was in November. Yeah, so they, they started, you know, a couple of good wins, won the challenge game against Penn State, uh, won a random early ACC game against Clemson, then obviously took care of business and what they were supposed to do against some of those mid-majors. And now a couple more ACC wins in a row. Um, the thing I keep telling people when, when I'm talking about this team, because I think people are starting to be like, oh, where did this team come from? Came out of nowhere. Um, it feels to me like this is what they kind of expected in the preseason. It took them a little while to get there because of all the transfers they had because their defense still isn't that good. They're going to like lose some games just because of that. But in terms of like this backcourt with three guards who feel like they can give you 20 on any night, high powered offense. I think they're top 25 in offensive rating now on Ken Palm. Um, is this kind of what you expected this team to look like at the start of the year? Is it, is it kind of come together in the way that, that you envisioned it? They're better than I envisioned. Um, yeah. You know, I just, I didn't really know because we hadn't seen Charlie Moore, you know, mm-hmm. had not seen him play a point guard and he, he really has made a huge yeah. difference. I mean, Chris likes was very electric, very exciting, could dribble all over the place really, really fast and go underneath people. And he was tiny and all that stuff. But the bottom line is a lot of times he was just dribbling around so there were eight seconds left on the shot clock. And then all of a sudden frantically looking for something to do. Charlie Moore is, is just a much more true. He's a true point guard. I mean, he's definitely coach L last night called him the Tom Brady of their team. He's the quarterback of the team. He gets everybody involved. He makes everybody better. Um, and he, and he, and his passing is contagious. You know, the other yeah. guys have all been sharing the ball much better than they were last year or the year before. So Charlie Moore, I had not seen him play. I wasn't really sure what to expect. The guys bounced around to all these different teams, but he has really absolutely been the Tom Brady of this team. He's, he's, you know, last night he had 25 points, but you know, he's also been having a lot of assists and he just, he's a really good team leader. He's very calm. Uh, you know, I just spoke to some Duke players today to preview the game mm-hmm. and, and Wendell Moore and Joey Baker they both said that, that, you know, Charlie Moore is the one who's really making this team go and that Isaiah Wong and Kim Augusti were there before they knew that yeah. they're very talented, but he's getting the best out of those guys. I think he's made a huge difference. And then Jordan Miller, no one really expected anything. This guy just transferred from George Mason and no one really had heard much about him. Um, he's actually been a really, really big part of this team as well. So I, I just think they've been healthy They've got Charlie Moore running the show. Uh, Jordan Miller was a really good addition. And, you know, there's very positive energy on this team. And I keep hearing yes. it from all the players. There was negative. There was negative woo-woo going on last year. Um, you know, there were players who were injured and disgruntled and whatever. And those kind of things, they become contagious. You know, negative energy is contagious. Positive energy is contagious. Last year's team had a lot of negativity 
injuries, which led to negativity, more negativity. Um, and losing, you know, yeah, I mean, losing begets losing, losing and injured and whatever. And this year and COVID and this year, there's just a whole different vibe. There's a whole different vibe on this team right now. Um, and you can just see it. You can see it in the way they're playing and the way they're sharing the ball. And yeah, I didn't expect them to be in first place in the ACC at four and zero with eight wins in a row going into the Duke game. I would have never imagined that. Now the Duke game, my daughter goes to Duke. So I watch all of their games and she's one of the Cameron crazy. She's going to be there. And she said, I love Miami every night, except when they're playing Duke. So um, the thing with Duke is they have some really good big men. And I don't, I just, I don't know who I look at the Miami lineup and it's just a smaller team. They're mostly six, seven and under. I don't see who is going to guard Bancaro. Who's going to guard Williams. Uh, you know, I just think it's, it's, um, it's going to be a tough out for them. I, I think. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's when you, when you looked at what this team was going to be like in the preseason, they, they don't have a center. I mean, <laughs> straight they up. Don't. They, they don't, have, they a don't have a center. They play Sam they Wardenberg at center. He's a power forward. Um, right. Play Jordan Miller at power forward. He is like a shooting guard slash small forward. The, the team is right. small. You saw it last night. How Jesse Edwards, who's like a pretty exactly average, mediocre big man. Jesse Edwards looked like an all American. Yeah, right. Exactly. Jesse Edwards. Jesse Edwards looked like an all American. Like seven in there. blocks. Like I had to look him dunks. up. Like, what, what are these guys? Stat- what is this guy's stats? Like, how is he just completely dominating them? So if he was able to dominate inside, I just wonder what the Duke big men will do. I mean, they're going to have to come up. You know, Miami can score. There's no question. No they doubt. Can score. They, they've been scoring 90 points. You know, they scored. They had never scored above 70 in, in, in 11 games. In 10 games prior against Syracuse, they had never crossed 70 points. And, you know, last night they got 88 against Syracuse, which is very hard to do. So they can definitely score against Duke. But I just wonder how their defense is going to do against Duke and particularly in the paint. I don't know who they're going to put on those guys. Dengek. I mean, I just don't know who they're going to put on those, on those big men. Yeah. I'm not going to, I mean, obviously I, I said, it's kind of a benchmark for Miami. Like if they get blown out, like that's not great. I'm not expecting them to win on Saturday. And I'm I, honestly, I'm not going to read too much into it because I, I mean, Obviously, Miami is going in that game being like, we want to win this game. We, we think we can win the ACC. Blah, blah, blah. But like, realistically, the fight is for second place in the ACC this year. And I, no matter basically, no matter what happens Saturday, I think Miami is going to be in that mix right now. I think you'd probably say UNC is the second best team in the league. And they're not like blowing anyone away. So I, I think it's broken nicely for Miami where one I, I mean, I think both of us were pretty optimistic about this team in the preseason, thinking they would be a bubble team. And yeah. probably still ultimately their fate. Um, but of course the ACC is so wide open that it's really easy to see them. I mean, I think, I think they could definitely, I think they're a top four, top, top five, five team in the top ACC. Four or right five, they're going to, yeah. If they're top four or five, which I think they are definitely capable of being, um, that's, that's probably going to be a tournament team. Yeah. You know, no doubt. Yeah. And that's what they'd be feel nice. Like Cause it's been, it's been a while, you know, the other thing I wrote a column the other day about this team and they should get more, more love, more attention. One of the other big things that I think as someone who's observed this program for a long time is coach Laranega does best with veteran teams. Yes. And this team and is this really team, old. It's really old, really, really old. In yeah. fact, my daughter is on the camera and crazy and they always make fun of things. She's like, 
you know, maybe they're going to make fun of how old they are, but they have four guys, four sixth year seniors, four yeah. guys who are like 23 and 24 years old. They're older than maybe some NBA teams, to be honest. Um, probably, honestly. Yeah, they probably their starting lineup. Maybe they're probably older, older than the Rockets and the Pistons <laughs> or, you know, the worst teams in the league, basically. Yeah. So they they're an older team, but this this kind of team is exactly the kind of team that that went to the Sweet 16 twice. The, the two teams yeah. that were with Angel Rodriguez and with Shane Larkin, those teams both had were heavy on transfers and heavy on very old seniors, fifth year seniors, sixth year seniors, you know. That's exactly what this team is. And, and this kind of team responds best to coach Larinaga and he responds best to them. And, and so, yeah, I think the future is pretty promising, I think, for this team, the way yeah. they look right now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you mentioned like the, the good vibes they kind of have. And I think that ties in directly with how old this team is. Like you talked to Cam Augusti and I don't know how old he is, probably like 24 years old. Like, yeah, yeah, he's almost he feels like a grown man. Like he's, he's, he's an adult he's, and it, he's it goes an a long way. It goes a long way to have like a leader who is, you know, he's playing obviously as well as he ever has, but he's also got that leadership, that maturity that like, he's just a lot more mature than most of these kids they're playing against than most, probably most of his teammates. And I think that matters a lot. With this oh, I do too. And Charlie Moore is also old. Charlie yeah. Moore is, I think he's turning 24 in two weeks and, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're an old team, but, but they're old and they're wise and they want to be playing college basketball. They're not, they don't have one foot out the door because they, you know, they're not good enough, but they don't have one foot out the door to the NBA. So they're very, very happy to be there. And they're very happy to listen to coach L and to the other assistants and to, you know, what advice they're giving them and all that stuff. And, and this is exactly the kind of team that uh, this is exactly the kind of team that, that coach L does well with. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. They have, Road games now. They have four. The four games were here. Right. The schedule them. broke really nicely for them. It did. So, but now they have to go play at Duke, and then they play at Florida State, which Florida State hasn't been as good this year, but still playing up there is always hard. And Leonard Hamilton is always very good against Miami. So, yeah, it should be an interesting uh, rest of the season. Yeah, and you know, I think we all expected Isaiah Wong to be playing at an All Conference level, and I think he's actually probably been probably a little underwhelming. Not that he's been bad, but just the fact that McGusty has played legitimately at a first team all ACC level uh, has really gone a long way. Absolutely. McGusty has been, yeah, he's been better than expected. And Wong has been very good, but McGusty has, has been a little better. And Charlie Moore has been, a, you know, really yeah. good. And Jordan Miller, I think has been a surprise too. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, gun to your head. Does this team make the tournament? Yes. I, I, I agree with you. I think the ACC is so open. Like, like we said, I, I think they're right now. They look like one of the five best teams in the ACC to me. I think so and too. I think if you're one of the five best teams in the ACC, I don't care how bad the league is outside perception, you're going to make this tournament probably. I agree. And, I agree. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's been fun. Um, we'll maybe we'll see how this Duke game goes. Maybe we'll get you back next week. Uh, we'll definitely, you know, we haven't had a since we've been doing this podcast. We have not had a lot of good Miami basketball teams to talk about. I think this is definitely the most interesting it's been. So. Uh, Hopefully we'll get you on again sometime soon. Uh, Michelle, you can follow Michelle on Twitter at Cough Sports. Uh, she'll have all your coverage going into this Duke game, which I think will own the weekend maybe a little bit in South Florida in a way that Miami basketball hasn't in a long time. So uh, thanks again, Michelle, and we'll uh, talk to you a little later on. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Enjoy the game. <laughs>